The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the Burt Rockers are in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and you'll see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side is Bradley's show from yesterday, and you can watch that up until 3 p.m., at which time he will be live in that little area right there. Uh, On the right side is where we are, and of course, it'll look a little different. We are live now, but we are pre-recording as well. And so that'll look a little different there. Just click on the play button 
and uh, blow it up on whatever device you've got, and then j hit the uh, Rumble icon at the bottom right-hand corner, and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. By the way, we are streaming to Rumble, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. We're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there. We're on uh, DLive.TV at The Sons of Liberty. Uh, they've even got us, I, I found out they kicked a different kind of stream to Twitter. For whatever that's worth, I was kicked off, so I just said... Since they're going to do that, I'm going to use it. So you can find me at the real Tim Brow. <laughs> Give me somebody already had Brown. So the real Tim Brow, two number two. Okay, Brow two, <laughs> and uh, we're streaming on there too, as well as um, some Facebook platforms that I have. You know, just my little personal page and public page and. Uh, a couple others. I, I'm trying to get it out as many places as I can, and so that's where we're at right now. Also, right up under there is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. You get one of those in the late in the evening, seven, eight o'clock. Usually, you get that's all the articles at sunslibertymedia.com. Also, the donate button is available in case you want to keep us out there doing what we're doing. Um, there's a one-time donation button at sonsoflibertymedia.com, as well as you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty, and that link is also there. Our store is available. And uh, there you'll see, you'll, or this week we're highlighting the For the Children book, okay? And this is on abortion. Uh, it's got pictures, high-quality paper, small little book. You could throw this thing in the back of your pocket. You can give it out to your representatives. You can give it out to people at your church. You can give it out to people at a restaurant or the grocery store or wherever you are. You can have one or two of these in your pocket and uh, pass these around. They're normally a donation of $10.00. This week only through Saturday at midnight, you can get 20% off when you use the promo code LIFE. Pretty simple. Life is there. Now, <clears throat> let me start this off this way. On, my, on Friday, we did the 12 presumption of the Roman court, which is the U.S. court, that you have to uh, challenge because they are presumptions about you. And most of you were shocked to know that these presumptions were there. Nobody's told you. You didn't know it. Then Monday, we did the land patents, and a lot of you were really excited about that. I think many people, uh, it's really took off on some websites. Uh, uh, many people have contacted Ron. They're having him do their land patents and stuff. And then, of course, Tuesday, we brought Roger Sales on, and one of the things that we did was, that people calling me, one of the things that we did was is that we talked about the difference between a U.S. citizen and a national and that was a fascinating thing. And there's going to be some stuff that I asked for clarification because we've got Roger back today. And uh, I want to welcome him back to the Sons of Liberty. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm happy to be back with you in the audience, Tim. Yeah, good to have you on. And, uh, you know, I, Roger, I was telling you before, I had a couple of people say, boy, that was a lot of information. Some people who've already, you know, started this journey, uh, I think it was encouraging to them that they were hearing the same thing come from you that they've learned. Some of it was new stuff that they, they didn't know. Obviously, there was a lot new. You know, I was the vulnerable one here as the show host uh, to get the questions, which I'm fine for. If we can learn that way, that's great. Um, but there were some people that said, you know, there was a lot of confusing stuff, too. And they, it wasn't just one thing for them. I think a lot of it's new information. They haven't been told it. And so they're, they're trying to unpack what they've had stored up in their minds that they've been indoctrinated with, and we all have been. And so they're trying to figure out, okay, what do I got to pull apart here, and then how do I put the pieces together? So there's several okay. things. I know we're going to cover some new stuff here. I took time to listen to almost all of the um, interviews that you had with uh, Tom D. and also Deanna. 
How do you say her name? Spingola? Spingola. Okay. Unfortunately, she's not on the air anymore. She was a real stalwart of our okay. movement over in RBN for many years. And because of health, she's not doing shows anymore, unfortunately. Okay. All right. But I would recommend people uh, listen to those, and you did too. This is a, this is a Roger site, The Matrix Docs, D-O-C-S, Matrix Doc, TheMatrixDocs.com. And the interviews you want to listen to are right down here with Tom D., these two. And then the other one that he, he makes mention of specifically are, are, are these right here, okay? Well, I should say they're all viable or they sure. will be up there, okay? But one of them you'll see with Brent Winters. Brent Winters is an attorney, okay, and has been an attorney for many years. And I've been doing shows with him every Friday for over nine years now. And you don't get on and talk about this stuff with an attorney if it isn't right. Yeah, I was going to say, now, Now, when we were talking with Ron, he was talking about the difference between an attorney and a lawyer. Is he an attorney or is he a lawyer? No, he's an attorney. He's an attorney. He's a really okay. good guy and, and right. uh, very interesting fellow. In fact, I really, really w- would uh, 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 tell you to get, you need him on here too, your audience. We'll see if we can get him on. Yeah, he's, he's an unbelievable guy. His knowledge base is off the charts. And okay. that's what makes our shows so great is because I've accumulated a lot of knowledge too over the years I've been doing this. And when we get together and our databases are together, I'll say something that triggers something in his database and he'll say it and it triggers something in my database and things come out of these conversations. Neither one of us knew. Uh, You want me to tell you a story? This is going to mean a lot to you and your audience. Okay. When my book was first coming out, a guy got a hold of the advanced copy. I still don't know how his name's Gary Kinghorn. He's a huge Christian from out West. And at the time he was the international head of merchandising for Cisco. No, no lightweight company. Okay. And he got a hold of the book and he wrote the first book review of it. And I was just putting this information out. I was over on RBN on another guy's show. And we announced that that night and it blew out their servers for four hours. People trying to get to that. Okay. So Gary wrote a follow-up. It was on the dollar vigilante. You can probably still go back to the dollar vigilante and find it. Okay. But, uh, he wrote a second article and it said, Jesus was an anarchist. And I was reading through the articles. Interesting. And, um, he mentioned in there this word called Corban. Now you're very familiar with the Bible. Have you have you ever run across the word Corban before? Yes. Okay. We well, only mentioned twice in, in the New Testament. Okay. And it's both times from Jesus. And so I wasn't familiar with it. I'd never heard of it before. And I went to the internet and did a little investigation. I couldn't really get a clear grasp of it. Okay. So I understand it said you're a, Jesus said, you're not following the laws of Moses. You're following Corban. It's not very descriptive. Okay. And so I was in the early days I was on with Brent and I mentioned Corban and Brent's translated his own Bible. It's got th- over 35,000 footnotes. Okay. And so he goes, well, let me see what I wrote about it in my study Bible. And so he goes back and in the footnote, this is what Corban was. All right. In the days of Jesus and the Pharisees back there, the laws of Moses said that your parents are supposed to live with the children as they get older and the parents take anything that they've been able to accumulate of value and that's sold so the children can help provide for the parents. Makes sense, right? Yep. This is where Jesus is hitting them up about honoring their father and mother, but you've made it Corbin, or you've said, we've already given it to God, but they really hadn't done that. They were keeping it for themselves. Well, here's the backstory that that doesn't come through from the book, okay? 
So Corban in those days, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, Tim, you and your audience, but the Pharisees were actually corrupting the youth. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so they would corrupt the youth and the youth would tell them what valuables was in the house and they'd report it to the Pharisees. They would declare it as Corban and come and seize it under the powers of the temple and they'd sell it. And the proceeds are you said, I'm glad you're, so, you said, you said you stand up. I right? stand you up for the radio show. Yes. Okay. We may want, well, you may get knocked down <laughs> with this one. Okay. They would sell the possessions and finance the social system of which if you converted to Christianity, you got kicked out of. Yep. Yeah. So, which is, Does social security ring a bell? Yeah. So let's, let's add to that because over in Acts, we also see where the Hellenistic widows weren't being taken care of. And they were supposed to be taken care of by right. the assembly of, of God. And so what did they right. do? Well, they got deacons to go make sure that as people gave voluntarily towards the, the elders and such, they could be distributed and take care of the widows. And Paul says, if you don't take care of your widows, those of your own yeah. house, you're worse than an unbeliever and an infidel. Why? Because unbelievers and infidels do that. They take care of their own. So all of this kind of goes together, right? Let me let me Widows? read. This is from this is the passage Widows? that you're talking about. You. Yeah, I'm go interrupt ahead. Interrupt you for Widows, yep. unmarried women, and children are under your protection. That's right. And God favors them more than even almost anybody else. That's right. He does. He absolutely does. Now let me let me read this one passage. And this is going to come from the HBFV, but you'll get the gist of it. And by the way, when you're saying, some people have said, well, did Brent write his own Bible? No, he translated his own Bible. Guys, the King James, sorry, that wasn't what fell out of heaven. That was Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew. He obviously knows the language. He's going to translate it out so that he, he does his work. Any preacher worth his salt is going to be looking at the original language anyway. Right. So don't get everybody get bent out of shape unless the guy wrote something that's got heresies, leaving something out like John chapter 1. Verse 1, where he says, he was a God, and adds stuff like that. So here's what's going on. And he, he answered, that's Jesus, and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy concerning you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. Full well do you reject the commandment of God, so that you may observe your own tradition." For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and the one who speaks evil of father and mother, let him be put to death. There's Jesus issuing or reissuing or pointing back to, there's a death penalty if you dishonor mom yep. and dad. And he isn't talking about little yep. kids. He's talking about yep. grownups. And then he Very says, important. But you say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, whatever benefit you might receive from me is Corban, that is, set aside as a gift to God, he is not obligated to help his parents. In other words, they don't love their parents because they don't love God, right? Yeah. So I use that illustration to tell you some of the things that come out of this, and I wanted to get on to the point that I'm sure, as I said in the first time we talked, a lot of this is going to leave your head spinning. And the reason for that is because you've been tricked with this double-mindedness, and in your subconscious, you're associating things with a negative definition. And that's why I said it's very important to understand that technique, because now you can go back and these keywords, you, I heard a number of them in your intro, vaccination. 
It's not a vaccination. It's a biogen. You're right. They had to change the definition of vaccination to get it to fit in there. Okay. So there's another example of double-mindedness. It's not a vaccination. It's a biojab. We'll make that connection and get it straightened out in your subconscious and then start using biojab instead of the word vaccination. And when you do that, you're in reality. When you use vaccination, you're in their reality. It's that simple. Okay. Yep. All right. And the other thing I'd say is I'd, I would paraphrase Mark Twain. Uh, if I may, and it says, it's not what I know that's killing me. It's what I know that ain't so. Okay. Now I've been in this shooting matches, rodeo, Patriot rodeo for 30 years, by the way, I want to also emphasize to your listeners. This is not just my information. Okay. This is three men's lives that you're hearing a synopsis and a condensation of with over a hundred years of research and sacrifice by three men. My two teachers who specialized in the tax issue spent 15 and a half years in federal prison simply to get them off the street because they were teaching this information. Okay. So when I say the amount of time and the sacrifices that have gone on here, not even to mention mine. Okay. Are, are you have no idea what it's come to and taken to get us to this point where I can simplify these things to you. They're even confusing to you. Sim simplified. Okay. So that's where we are and that's the condition you're in. And that's why it's confusing to people. Cause first of all, our community for all these years has not understood what we talk about here and what this is. You're fighting the feudal system. You're in the feudal system. Nobody ever knew that. So what they do is they see two dots that seem to connect and they make the connection and they tell somebody. And from then on, it's gospel. I'll give you an example. Admiralty law. Okay. In the constitution, it says we have admiralty law. They can't figure out what's being used against them. They see that in the constitution and they make the connection. We're under admiralty law. And now all these people think we're under admiralty law. Nothing could be further from the truth. Our enemies love to have you carrying that disinformation because they know when you're doing that, that you ain't got a ghost of a chance of beating them. Okay. Let, let's, let's stop right there. And let's, let's go through this right quick for those who don't understand the feudal system. Um, can you give a quick recap, not anything long, sure. but just kind of a quick okay. well, bull down kind of right. view of the what's feud, going on. And the then feud. can you, can you also paint it, not only tell us the history of it, but paint it to how it's happening here in the States? Sure. Okay. The feudal system was an outgrowth of the downfall of Rome. Okay. And as circumstances, the Visigoths were coming down, they were cutting off the cities, especially in the Western empire where the road led along the Mediterranean and they were isolating and putting the cities under siege. The people that could get out of the cities, they either had two choices. They jump in the Mediterranean or they go inland. Well, obviously they went inland. The people that were the major landowners were generally Roman generals and politicians. So they would go to the person that owned the most land and go, the Visigoths are coming. We need some protection. And the guy goes, well, heck, I need some protection too. If you'll give me, I'll give you protection. If you'll give me allegiance. And that's where the feudal system started. Okay. And that is the formula for jurisdiction, protection for allegiance, allegiance for protection. And our people paraphrase it. If you receive the benefit, you owe the duty, same thing. Okay. But the basic historical foundation is protection for allegiance, allegiance for protection. That's why you asked earlier. Uh, about the document we covered the other day, the certificate of non-citizen nationality. Okay. If you go down right below the body of that policy statement, they excerpt some, some sections from the INA, the immigration naturalization act, and they put them in there. 
And one of them, if you, I don't know, it's a little bit uh, under the body of the letter there. And it's an excerpt from the INA and it makes this statement. I can tell you where it came from. It comes from a, a organic statute in 1940 that where they set all this up. It's called the Nationality Act of 1940. And in that, it's the very first definition. The first, they lead off that act with definitions, and it's definition A is what's repeated on this document. And it says a national owes total allegiance to a small s state. Well, there's your national. Okay. There's your state citizen because you owe total allegiance to a small s state, not a federal capital s state. Then the state reciprocally owes you protection. And there's the jurisdictional formula right there in their laws. But if you don't understand that background, you'll look right over it and not know what it means. Right. Okay. Okay. Yep. So that's why this stuff is super important. I preached, I've just got off of our show a minute ago and I preached it to our guys as I learned the information, your freedoms yeah. in the information. That's how you're going to grow. That's how God's going to re-empower you with the, with the powers and rights you're supposed to be given to at birth, which were stolen from you at birth. That's how you're going to be able to tell other people about this. And that's how we're going to collectively be powerful. If you don't know the information, none of that happens. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let me let me give a view. I think probably everybody can really grasp here. And I want to make sure that that when I'm sharing it with you, I want you to even either confirm or deny this is what's going on. When people see when people have seen the film Braveheart. OK, they've got a king. Right. And then they have the nobles, all the guys that would end up selling Wallace and all the other people out. They were the nobles. They were going to get land by being under Longshanks. And it was Wallace and his crew that were like, nah, man, that's not freedom. They recognized it for what it was. That was a feudal system, right? Correct, correct. Okay. And that's what they were fighting against. They weren't going trying to be uh, peaceful about it at all. They were going and picking fights because they knew these guys wanted to rule over them. So this is the difference. They've put it within our laws that we can basically pull their teeth out through writing basically a sentence. Yep. And the reason for that is because with all the money and influence they got, they can't alter these things. They can't get rid of the constitution. They've got a veneer over it and trick you. Okay. They don't have that much power. They got a lot of money and a lot of influence, but they don't have the power to do these simple things. And that's why when you tell them what you are, they don't have the power to overcome that, except if they want to be open tyrants and they know very well what happens to open tyrants throughout history. Yeah, that's why they've gone to all this trouble to set things up and turn things around so they can ask you those two questions and get your agreement and your consent. Okay. All right. Now I got two questions I want to ask to, for clarification. And these, I think came from some people that they said, nobody said, Hey, ask this question, but these are, these are questions, at least two that came out and they're about, um, citizenship and resident. And okay. so the first one is pretty simple. Once we do this, once we take and go to that place there, I was going to show people again. Let me pull it right up. Once you go in, you go to the bottom of that page, and we'll put this in the chat for those who are in there. But if you don't, if you go to travel.state.gov, and then you put in a certificate of non-citizen nationality, it should be the first thing you come up. That'll be the page. And uh, at the bottom, you need to send this in to the Secretary of State. Probably best to have it notarized. And you're going to say, I, your name, being duly sworn hereby, declare my intention to be a national, but not a citizen of the United States. Now, one of the things I have, one of the questions I have about that uh, here, Roger, is this. I send that in, I sign my name. 
Well, I'm sure there's lots of people with even with my full name here in the in the United States. How do they distinguish which okay. person is getting this? Do I have to give okay. some identifying you, markers here? You, a very, that's a very very insightful question, okay. Tim. And and because you do have a name that could be I don't know how many Tim Browns there are in the U.S., but I'll bet there's a parcel of them. Okay, so if you've got an existing passport active or or expired, put your passport number in there underneath your name. Okay. And if you don't have one of those, what we suggest is putting your date of birth, your place of birth, and the last four numbers of your social security number. In there. Okay. That should differentiate you from all the other Tim Browns. Wonderful. Okay. All right. I appreciate that. All right. Now, that's a pretty simple one. The other one is, um, the, and, that, and that makes you the national. So that, that question get, gets answered real, real easy. Are you, are you a citizen? No, I'm a U.S. national once this has been done. Okay. Right. So the second one is, are you a resident? And you were asking that question. And so in my mind, as I went back and was thinking everything, I said, okay, if we're not a resident, how we think of it, we're not residing or living in South Carolina. And then I said, what, what, what's the, what's the, where do we want to get? What is our thinking supposed to be? Tim, there? you are going to love this answer. <laughs> okay. Okay. Residency comes, they're taking the definition they're imputing here comes from ambassadorial law. And if you d- dig deep enough on the web in that, you'll find some references to it. Okay. And the, the way it came about was when countries do a treaty and exchange ambassadors. So the example I'm in Ecuador and the example I always like to use. So, uh, in fact, I know the guy that was, uh, I know the family that was the ambassador of the U S for 25 years. Okay. From Ecuador. And, uh, so he signs a treaty and he goes to Washington, D.C., sends somebody down here. Both of those ambassadors are what they call in residence. Okay. Now, uh, the example is if the Ecuadorian ambassador got caught up at Dulles Airport there in D.C. With a, co- with a kilo of cocaine in his diplomatic pouch, what would they do to him? Yeah, you're saying they'd send him back to Ecuador. They'd send him back to Ecuador because he's in residence, which means the laws of Ecuador apply to him, not the laws of the United States. And it was done by treaty. Okay. So when they're asking you, are you a resident? Very rarely do they ask you if you're a resident of South Carolina or whatever your state is. I don't know that I, maybe sometimes they do. Okay. But mostly they just ask, are you a resident? They do and on a you, tax form. They'll if, on if, for people who do fill out taxes. They do ask that on a tax form. I know that. Oh, what resident? Are you? Yeah, resident? they'll ask yeah. like if like if you make money within two different states. Like we're on the border. Okay. So some some people, uh, my my boys yeah. moved from South Carolina working into North Carolina one year, right. and they were asked, and they had to respond. Yeah, I, I made money over here, but I was a full-time resident oh, over here. Okay. So well, some people would have to do, to do that. I think that has to do with state tax. Okay. okay, all right. Yep, that's probably but right. The general term that they're using comes as the last phrase of the 14th Amendment. All persons born or naturalized in the United States, comma, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, comma, are citizens of the United States, there's that, and the state wherein they reside. So that's where the two questions came from. And that's what I was trying to explain to you guys. Now we really know the reason for the Civil War because those two questions are in the back part of the 14th Amendment first clause. And that makes you subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Well, they had to know they were going to ask these questions a hundred and something years ago. Yeah, sure. Okay. So now we can really see the reason the Civil War was fought 
was to get these two amendments in the Constitution so they could control the world with it 100 years later. Yeah. And that's almost provable now. But all the other people didn't know the end game. There's been a couple of people along the way that I found that understood what was going on, but they didn't know the end game. Two of them were the guys that dissented in a key Supreme Court case in 1896 called U.S. versus Wong Kim Ark. That's a super important Supreme Court case. It's the only, it's the, the number one case in the history of our country where the high court dealt with all these issues of citizenship, denizenship, and all this stuff. And in the dissenting opinion of Wong Kim Ark, the chief justice Fuller and a guy that has an incredible reputation named John Harlan, one of the greatest Supreme court justices that's ever sat on the bench, John Harlan. In fact, he has a nickname called the great dissenter. Okay. And his son followed him and his son became a Supreme court justice. Also John Harlan and John Harlan and Fuller both dissented in the Wong Kim art case. And they came right out and said it. They're talking about the 14th amendment. And they say, if this follows the rule, we've brought feudalism into this country for the first time, just as England was being relieved of its inconvenience. The relationship is a liege Lord to a liege man. It's unbreakable and time ending. Okay. So they knew it was the feudal system in 1896 in the descent of this case, a couple of years later, Harlan, you know, and I, I'd encourage your audience, go look this stuff up. Okay. I'm going to give you an easy way to get this one. Just go to Wikipedia, go to Wikipedia and put in downs V Bidwell downs V Bidwell, exactly like it sounds. It's a 1901 case. It was part of a group of cases. They call the insular cases that dealt with all these islands like American Samoa and the Philippines that we're going to talk about in just a minute, I hope. Okay. And in that descent, John Harlan, and it's in Wikipedia, they pulled this out of the case and put it in Wikipedia. And what was it? Downs? Downs V Bidwell. Okay. In fact, if you want to drag it up, you can read it to the audience. It's a fabulous, fabulous site. Okay. And what John Harlan's saying is, ladies and gentlemen of the court, what we have in front of us is two systems of government. One, very much like the monarchical governments in Europe. The other is following our constitution. God help us if we should ever follow the former path. He saw them doing it when they were setting up American Samoa. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and, and then later on in the thirties, one of the great books I acquired read, read way too early. Cause I didn't understand most of it. And I've not got back and read because of my eyes. I can't do much reading these days, uh, is a book called the 31 collective speeches of Lewis T McFadden. I'm assuming, you know, who McFadden was and probably some of the audience did. If you don't, he was a banker. He worked his way up from entering issuing, uh, emptying trash cans to the president of the bank. After he'd achieved that, he ran to Congress. He was from Pennsylvania. I'm not sure what district, but I'm going to tell you something amazing about this. So the minute he was elected to Congress and the representatives in the, the teens, I'm not sure he became, they used to have a house banking committee and he was the president of the house, the head of the house banking committee from the time he got elected till the time they killed him on the fourth attempt. Okay. And, and being a banker, he understood exactly what was going on behind the scenes. And those 31 speeches are between 31 and 33 on the house floor. And in one of the speeches, he says, they're building a Machiavellian feudal system. He knew, but he wow. didn't know the outcome. Okay. 
So there's people that have seen it, but nobody knew the end game. And that's what we know. Okay. All right. And we'll have that. I'll have that link up for people a little later on that they can check out with, uh, you know, the, the Wikipedia page so they can check that stuff out there. Okay. So when we, when we last left off, you told me, you said, we're going to pick up with the passport. So we've kind of done some of this clarification, some of these questions and things, a little review there. Um, well, let's pick up with the passport because okay. that's I'm the next thing is well, they're going to be asking is, for certain. It is and it isn't. I, okay. I want you folks to have understanding sure. here. You know, the Bible says above all, seek understanding, not knowledge, understanding. You only get understanding if you got the knowledge. Okay. And then a magic thing happens is your subconscious mind starts giving you answers. And I've had that happen a number of times. Okay. So before you could get in and totally understand the passport thing, we're going to talk about, you got to understand the fake, the head fake they've given us. You see, there's three political statuses in our country. Most people only thought there was one. They've listened to maybe this show and you understand there's two, but I'm going to throw a curve at you and tell you there's three. You got the original state citizen now labeled as a national. You got the citizen of the United States, the federal citizen mainly applied to blacks after the Civil War that we're all in now. The third one is American Samoa and Swains Island. This is their fake. What I'm doing right here for you, Tim, and audience, I'm undressing your enemy like you've never undressed them before. And, buddy, the emperor's got no clothes. And if you thought he was ugly before, wait till you see him naked. Hmm. Okay. So what they did right around this Downs v. Bidwell case is America came into possession back in the Spanish-American War of some territories over there on that other side of the world. And one of them was American Samoa. Now, don't get it confused with Samoa, which was a German territory, and the Germans and the Americans were fighting over it. And so they settled up, and they gave American Samoa to Germany, and then they gave American Samoa, they gave Samoa to Germany and American Samoa to the U.S. If you look at it on a map, Samoa is a pretty big island. And right next to it is this little almond-looking island. That's American Samoa. So there's two islands that have bearing here, American Samoa and a very small island named Swain's Island. And, buddy, if you look that up, Swain's Island, and look real close. I swear, I think you can see a uh, 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 Gilligan on there. Okay. I mean, it's like a Gilligan's Island setting. It's a beautiful little island. I think 36 people lived on it in the last census. The main one is American Samoa. They brought those into the U.S. territorial system, and they left them unincorporated. They're the only unincorporated territories in the entire federal system. Why? They left their natural rights. In other words, American Samoans follow uh, what's called the FA FA hyphen Samoan culture. That's their traditional culture. And in that culture, they actually own their land and determined by who the largest landowners are or who sits in their legislature. So they've got natural rights like the original state citizen. But they don't have birthright citizenship. So when they're born, they're American Samoan called non-citizen nationals because they can't be 14th Amendment citizens of the United States without going through the naturalization process. And they did that 
so they can use that term non-citizen national to help cover their tracks so nobody finds the term national and knows what it is. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So the, I'm, I'm cautioning your people because I constantly get this from my students. Well, I'm a non-citizen national. Why is my passport stamp? Because you're not an American Samoan. They're the only people that are na nationals, but not citizens of the United States. As you read to the audience from the document we had on the page a minute ago that we've referenced, all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. We have a dual political status. They don't. And the reason they did that is because they can put non-citizen national up there. And I'm going to show you right now as we transfer and transition to the passport, why it's there and how it's used. Okay. okay. All right. Now let me ask something for clarification here. You said we, it, once you do the thing to become national, once you make that statement, you are a citizen and you're a national. No, you that it's like that document says okay. you've got a dual political yeah, status, right? So you're just telling them and clarifying that them you just want one. You are gotcha. because here, here's the first layer of the fraud. It, they tell us that we're dual citizenship, but they only ask us one side. That's why I went through that exercise with you the earlier. Right. I got it. Or, have you I got ever that. been asked if you're a national? No. Right. Did you know you had a dual political status? No. And you're the only one that's answered the other one. Yes, I've ever asked, by the way, okay. <laughs> have you ever been asked if you're a citizen of the United States or a national? And you said yes on a gun form. Yep. Okay. And but everybody who ask, does, does that. That's right. And they don't ask you if you're a national. They try and hide this by evidence of what they've done with the American Samoans so they can hide the term national behind them. Now, by Roger. The way, by the way, talking yeah, about all the dialectics these people use and opposites, guess what agency of government has control over American Samoa? Well, I, it's a, it's a, you would never know. The Department of the Interior. Hmm. So the department in this federal government that's got control over this island halfway around the world is the Department of the Interior. Makes perfect sense. That's the first place you'd look, isn't it? Well, the, obviously, the question is if they have if they have authority over it. What what do they have authority to do? It's a little tiny little piece of land. Well, they don't have authority to do too much because oh, these people are national. Well, that's what yeah. I was going to say. So, what can well, what can they actually do? Well, this is interesting because we go back to our protection for allegiance, allegiance for protection. I'm going to show you how they use this. All right. Somebody, uh, people like to read minutia. One of the guys send me back says right here in IRS publication 519. It says U S nationals owe total allegiance to the U S that's in an IRS publication, but hold it. We know protection for allegiance, allegiance for protection. And we know that we owe total allegiance to a small S state. It tells us right in the immigration and naturalization act. So what are these nationals doing? owing total allegiance to the U S you see, here's what they're doing. Who owes total allegiance to the U S American Samoan non-citizen nationals, but the IRS didn't put non-citizen in there. They put nationals. Mm. You see the links they're yep. going through to throw you off here. Yeah. Okay, and they're slick, man. These the Satan is slick, buddy. You better believe it. If you didn't, you will when you learn this information. Okay. Yep. Yep. So, I, I totally. I totally. I totally get that. 
I totally get that. Okay, right. so give me let, let's take a let's give another example. Um, we're not going to go through all the two hours or more that we did the other day, but just a, a, a little bit bringing people up to speed who may come in a little late or they didn't get everything just to kind of touch. So when a person becomes national, you said you're choosing which laws you're going to live under. You're going to live under these codes and enforcements and all these other things, or you're going to live under the law that was originally put in place. And so when you come to an issue, we were talking about this before, I think, um, on uh, uh, when you go to get, when you go to purchase a gun, for instance, you're going to be, I guess you're still going to have to fill out the ATF form. Oh, yeah. And they're gonna they're gonna call up the FBI or whatever, do their background check, which I think is completely backwards from excuse me from how we usually do things, because you're presumed innocent until proven guilty. But in this situation, if you're wanting to buy a gun, you're presumed guilty and you got to prove you're innocent. So when they do that, what happens to a person who's a national? Okay, I'll tell you a story. Okay. One of my listeners, one of my good listeners, down good student down in Alabama. And he lives in uh, outside of Gadsden, Alabama, actually. And uh, relatively small town. He'd been in before and bought, as he terms it, shooting irons. He'd bought a few shooting irons at the local store there. And it's one of those gun stores where they got a table in the back and all the guys from town sit around and talk about politics and women and the weather all day, drink coffee. And so he's familiar with them. They knew him. He'd bought stuff from before when he goes in there. And he goes, so I want to buy a shooting iron and he picks one out and he gives him the form and he fills it out and he gives it back to the clerk. And he goes, uh, Oh, he said, what do you mean? He said, you got us national here. They're not going to sell it to you. Not going to let me sell it to you. And here, Daryl goes, well, why don't you just humor me and call it in? Gets the FBI background check on. He goes, this guy says he's a national. The FBI goes, okay, wait a minute comes back and goes, sell it to him. And everybody in the store's jaw dropped to the floor. I like that. Okay. I like that. Why? Why? Because they're only jurisdictions over residents. Go look at yourself mm. up yourself. Title 27 Code of Federal Regulations is ATF. Go look at the first page. Their jurisdictional statement will be there. It's residents. If you're not a 14th Amendment citizen, you're not a resident, that doesn't apply to you. And you're moving over under God's laws and not man's laws. If you want to be more specific, Tim, that should buttress you a little bit. Okay. What you're dealing with for the first 90 years of the country, we only had one political status. It was called a state citizen. If you were a state citizen, you were a citizen of the nation called the United States of America. That's where they're getting this national term from. Okay, so it's not foreign at all. We just don't know about it. Right. So these are the constitutional, given our rights from our creator, capital R rights, capital R duties, capital R remedies, that they can't get rid of. They can only veneer over. And that's what they've done with a, a civil war, a 13th and a 14th Amendment, and about 80 or 90 years in between to get the people conditioned. Okay. Now, you want to know where this comes from when we're talking about this dual political stuff. It comes from the 14th Amendment and the Civil War. After the Civil War, everybody in the South knew about the Jim Crow laws. They were obvious, blatantly obvious. Black drinking fountains, white drinking fountains, black railroad cars, white railroad cars, different facilities for all of life. Okay. And Jim Crow, the black side, was the new federal citizenship 
the white side was the old state citizen. You probably never knew that before. Okay. Mm. And so we got the 1868, they passed the 14th amendment. And about 25 years later, people started wanting to challenge these Jim Crow laws. This is very interesting, Jim. You're going to like this. Okay. So there was a newspaper out of new Orleans and it was a progressive newspaper. I don't know the name. And they had a, a big reach all through the East coast and they wanted to challenge the Jim Crow laws. So they took up a donation. And they raised $3,000 in those days, 1890s, pretty good bit of money. And so then they went out and they found a victim. This is all inside the state of Louisiana. Okay. It was, uh, they found a guy named Plessy. You've been, you've been in this a while. You're some of your audience been studying this for a while. Have you ever heard of a case called Plessy V Ferguson? Um, I'm not, who was it? Ferguson? Plessy, Plessy, P-L-E-S-S-Y. Yeah, I've not heard of him. It is the most important case that no Patriot researcher has ever brought forward because they didn't understand what's going on. Okay. Plessy, after this progressive newspaper got that money, they went out and hunted up Plessy specifically because Plessy was nine tenths white and one tenth black. And they got Plessy, dressed him up in his Sunday best, took him to the railroad station of an intrastate railroad, only inside Louisiana, no federal jurisdiction, no interstate. And they stuck, they hired the guards to arrest him. They alerted all the other newspapers in New Orleans. They were all right there at the dock and they went and stuck Plessy on the white only railroad car. And then they sent the detectives in and arrested him. They took the case to court in Louisiana. The first layer of court level they hit, the judge was named Ferguson, and he ruled against him, and they enjoined him in the case. And that case went all the way to the Supreme Court in 1894. Okay. John Harlan dissented on this case, by the way. All right. It went all the way to the Supreme Court in 1894. And you know, when the Supreme Court makes a ruling, they come back with a thumbnail description. They just take and synopsize it down in, in, and reduce it down to a single statement. And the description of Plessy v. Ferguson is separate but equal. Okay, so I'm going to ask you, Tim, how can black drinking fountains, white drinking fountains, restrooms, restaurants, how can those be equal? How can they be equal? I would... <laughs> I mean, naturally, I would think they would be equal. I, the only un reason they were they had yeah. separate facilities. Yeah. So how were they equal? They both had a political status. Ah. Uh, but one of them was subservient to the, to other, the other one. one. Yeah. The federal citizenship is subservient to the original uh. state citizen. Now, does that make more sense to you? It does well. It does when you think of the states are the ones who created the federal government. Yeah, correct. So here's this okay. is why that case is so important. Because of that separateness, they had to overcome that to institute their scheme. And the way they overcame it was in 1954 with a case I know you're probably familiar with, and all your audience has heard about, called Brown versus Board of Education. Right. 
Okay. So the Jim Crow laws applied from the civil war all in world war two, we had black regiments, black squadrons. Jim Crow was applicable in the army in world war two. Incredible. Okay. So they had to overcome that. And the way they overcame that was to go in and start busting black kids to the white side of town and white kids to the black side of town. And everybody was upset both sides. And that court case went to the Supreme court Brown V board. It was brought by the NAACP and the lawyer that argued the case for the NAACP. I'd ask you if you guess, but you, I'm not going to do that was Thurgood Marshall, who after this case was appointed to the Supreme court as a reward. And what Brown V board did now, the thumbnail from Brown V board is equal in the classroom, equal in the society. But what they did was overcome Plessy versus Ferguson and make both these statuses equal. So they could have just as easily said membership in the white country club is equal to all, but they didn't. They said equal in the classroom, equal in the society. And now, as I was learning and understanding this, finally, it was fairly recent. Okay. A couple of years ago. And as this hit me and I'm thinking 1954, 19, this is what I'm telling you, you get enough knowledge, the subconscious starts giving you answers. <laughs> 19, 1954, 1954, man, that just sticks in my mind. 1954, ding, 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 60 days to the day after the Brown v. Board decision, they put the 1954 Internal Revenue Code in place, and that's what you've been under ever since. So this wow. was the accumulation of building their pyramid and putting the capstone on the capstone 1954 internal revenue code. And what we understand is that they don't do the taxes to, to run the government. They do the taxes to pay the coupon payments yeah. to the bondholders. Yeah. They're the ones that pay for the day-to-day -day running of the government. The IRS is integral in this system. Without it, the system wouldn't work. Yeah, I remember you bringing up the issue of how that how that stuff goes on and what the IRS is there to do. They're paying the bonds on the people who have the coupons and all that. I, I remember you having that that part there. Now, let's go down the issue because again, you you told me to bring up the issue of passport. All right. Well, why is that there. an important kind of issue well, in all of this? It's important because of Watergate and the things that followed. You know, there's a couple of really important things that came out of Watergate. One of them was FOIA, which Judicial Watch and Tom Fitton, pretty successful operation, right? That's all they use is FOIAs. And if they don't respond in a timely manner, you can take them to district court, and the district court almost always finds in your favor, okay? Because this is law, FOIA. The other part, excuse me, is Paperwork Reduction Act. The Paperwork Reduction Act says that any agency that puts out any information gathering requests, that's stuff they put out to the general public at large, has got to go through the Office of Management and Budget and get an OMB number before they put out their public information gathering request. That's what it's termed. Okay. To my knowledge, the only piece of paper that the state department puts out that's an information gathering request is a passport application so therefore it has to have an iomb number and that's a very strict procedure they go through to assign those numbers it has to meet all the constitutional muster and i know people say this is unconstitutional it's not 
they've got it's a, it's constitutional because of the bankruptcy. Okay. okay. It's not unconstitutional. It's extra constitutional. Got it. Important differentiation. Okay. Okay. So the state department's got to go through this procedure and they got to put the whole scheme in front of you because it's an information gathering request. So the schemes in the passport application, but buddy, do they hide it? And if you don't know what you're looking for, tens of millions of people have gone filled out that application that's right in front of them. They don't see it. You know, I asked you the other day, I think, you know, that, that, that little mind trick people play on you with a white piece of paper with in black, the word fly F L Y written, and they put it in front of you and you can't see it. Hmm. This your subconscious mind. Right. Same thing here is put right in front of you and you can't see it. Okay. So what happened to me is I've been studying this stuff. Oh, I don't know. From 92 up to 2007, 15 years. Okay. And I'd been looking for the answer and I knew it was there, but I couldn't find it. And the reason I couldn't find it, I know now is because they take these concepts and they just change the label on them. And our people, because we don't understand what's going on, start chasing labels and identities, not understanding it's the same concept underneath. Okay. So that, okay. that's why we've been buffaloed a lot right there. Okay. Right? That's why I teach concepts here. Okay. Where I teach. And so, uh, if you go and I made a decision, I was real frustrated. I'd lived in Atlanta for 30 years. My wife had died. I wanted to get out of Atlanta bad. Didn't, I didn't know where I was going. I knew I was moving somewhere. So I parked myself down at the family home in Florida for a couple of years. And then I was told when Obama was running, the little voice came to me. It's the second time. It's, it's only the second time it's come to me. And I was sitting there one day and, and I hear this voice and it goes, you need to get out. Oh, Lord, where'd that come from? I go, well, where am I going to go? I don't know a foreign language. I've never traveled internationally. And I kind of just put it on the back burner. Well, a little while later, I don't remember how long it came again, said the same thing. You need to get out. I'd always had visions of living in foreign countries. I was raised in the Air Force, a military a dad. And our every officer in the military gets an overseas assignment in their career. And our overseas assignment was Alaska. It was considered overseas. And I grew up and went to high school in Alaska, but we never got to go to Japan or Germany or Spain or any of these other cool places. All my friends had lived, you know? And so I was always kind of felt left out a little bit on that. So I always had that in the back of my mind. Well, here comes this. You need to get out. I start contemplating it. Cause I know when you hear it twice, you need to pay attention. And, uh, I was watching a TV program. I don't know if it's still on or not. It used to be on PBS called Globe Trekkers. And there's a couple of Brit kids, and they go to all these countries in the world, show you the country at the start, show you where they're going to go, and then do the trip and show you the video. Well, this night I'm watching. It's on Argentina. And so I had a dear friend from a record business who had gone down there and owned some farms and stuff and been trying to get me to come down there and visit with him. And I never had a passport. I didn't want to spend the money. And so this night, this show's on Argentina and it was out by where he had told me he lived out close to the Andes. And so I got, well, I guess that may be where I ought to be. And so for the first time in my life, now I had to go get a passport. Like everyone else, I was very apprehensive. You might even say scared about interfacing with the federal government. And I never needed a passport for anything. So I reluctantly went to the post office in our little town there picked up a original DS 11 and a DS 82 and brought them home. 
put my feet up on the desk and started reading. And at the top, at the top of the yeah. Hang on just a second here. Okay. Let me close out the show and we're going to finish up with Roger here in just a bit. So if you want to do that and you're on Red State Talk Radio, sonsoflibertymedia.com. Catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. And then we'll see you in the morning, Lord willing, 6 a.m. Adios. Okay, I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And Roger, I, I was noticing that time and I've got somebody calling, wanting to deliver a package. I'm having, while you're talking, I'm dictating kids go outside and (laughs) sign stuff up and everything else so i've got all that cleared out of the way so we're good to go now now we're now we're in the free zone (laughs) live radio yes okay so i I go and i get the passport apps i go home and start reading them and i'm not kidding you tim either at the top of the first page is the answer i've been looking for for 15 years and that answer it's twofold. At the top of the page, I can give you the background on this. It says Secretary of State of the United States of America, passport application. And then in those days, they used to have a thing that's in the instructions called a warning box at the top of the first page there. Now, the oath is at the bottom of the fourth page on the other thing. You'll, you'll understand the importance of that in a second. But in those days, they bury it in the uh, instructions now. But uh, you know what a black box warning is on drugs and stuff? I'm not familiar with them because I don't, I don't well, take them. On, well, I'm just saying on, on drugs and stuff they have when there's, when there's something to be, you need to be aware of, they put a black box, they call it a black box warning. And it's a rectangular a rectangle, black, and then big capital letters that say warning, and then they state whatever the warning is. Well, that same thing is in the passport application without the black box around it. Okay. It just says warning, capital letters. And it says you can attach documentation, comma, including affidavits, comma, but you better not lie or we're going to hit you with these seven or eight sections of the code we got cited here. So what is that? Well, it sounds to me like they're at, they would be asking for your, uh, your, your, at, your affidavit that you did to the Secretary of State to declare yourself a national, right? Yeah, but they don't do it that way. They do it in very threatening language, and they don't tell you any specifics. You can attach doc, declar, documentation, including affidavits. Well, for what? See? They okay. hide it. Now, this is your, hey, you're in voluntary servitude, and you can volunteer out. That's what they're telling you, but they don't tell you like that. Okay. Okay. So what what are you attaching? Would you attach that affidavit you sent into the Secretary of State? Yes, sir. All right. Now you got a government issued ID in your new political legal status. <laughs> now what's a? I'm going through this. I've never gotten a passport. I, I haven't been out of the okay. country. So what? I'm I'm over here. Let me bring this up for people uh, on the State Department's website where it says need a passport. You've got uh, get my passport fast. How to apply. What kind of, I mean, it says $60 to expedite the daggum thing. How yeah, much is it to get need, a passport? Well, blinking and winking, blinking and nod has raised it uh, here uh, the first year. I'm not sure how much. It's a little more expensive, but you don't need to get a passport. All you need to do is get a passport card, and that's only $30. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, for people like yourself, Tim, with you got how many minor children in your family? Uh, minors, I've got, uh, four now. The, okay. the other six are above 18. All right. Okay. Now what I, I'll give you a suggestion. You don't have to follow it. Write You and mom write an affidavit declaring that your minor children are nationals. Take the affidavit and go to the South Carolina state driver's license division and go in and get them a South Carolina issued ID 
not a driver's license, a state ID and give them the affidavit when you're applying for it. It'll be scanned into the South Carolina database and they'll have an ID that represents being a national. Okay. And the ones who are older, you can just put them through the same thing and they can go do it. Sure. Themselves. Well, they do the same thing you're going to do because they're yeah. after, past the age of majority. Sure. Okay. okay. So anyway, right. that's what I saw and I went, holy smokes. See, here's what the precedent to that. Years earlier, when I was actively in, involved with John and Glenn's six months they were teaching, one of our students in Nebraska wrote to the Secretary of State in Nebraska and asked him, could you send me some sort of a letter or something saying I'm a state citizen? Because this is all replete in the old law cases, okay? And so whoever the Secretary of State was sent a beautiful, I saw the original, beautiful logo at the top and gold embossing down each side and had a bunch of verbiage in there. So-and-so is a proud Nebraska state citizen. Well, all of us wanted one of those. So being from Florida, I wrote the Secretary of State of the Florida, and I asked him if he'd send me one. He sent me a letter back and said, hey, man, I'm really sorry. I can't do that. The Secretary of State of the United States has all authority over all matters concerning citizenship. Now, I was real green, and I didn't, but my mind picked up that sentence, and it was in my subconscious. And 15 years later, when I looked at that passport application, it gave it back to me. Okay. Okay. So let's go over the where it gets to the meats and gravy here. Um, go to the applicant part of the passport application. If you've never had one of these before, you got to go through a special procedure that you don't have to do on renewal. Okay. okay? And you're going to need to file a form DS-11. That's first-time passport applicant. Okay. And because it's a first time, they've got all this machinery in operation that you're already presumed to be a 14th Amendment citizen. I mean, every time they've ever asked you, you've said yes. Okay. So that's a presumption of law, and that's what they're operating this whole scheme on. A presumption of law is a presumption based upon another fact. So they do a fact with fraud, and then they pull a presumption off of it. That's what's going on. It's that simple. Okay. okay. So they want a security, because this is the only paperwork where they got to tell you what's happening, and they got to put it in front of you. So they make darn sure when you go apply, you've got to sign this over above the oath. There's a big section that says, stop, do not sign unless in the presence of an administrating official. And if you don't have one of those agents in your post office, you got to go hunt up a judge and sign it in front of a judge. And one of our guys had to do that recently. And then the courthouse will not let you send it in. They send it in. What other document do you know in the entire federal inventory that you got to go in front of a judge or an administrating official to sign, Tim? That's that one. If you're declaring a national, if you're under a certain jurisdiction or whatever, but you're not. Okay. Like most so they're, hook, they're hooking you into the presumption and hiding the answer right in front of you, but they're making it sign. You sign it and agree to the presumption again in this official document in front of some agent or, or judge. Okay, so let's go through the application. No particular trick questions on there. There is one that could be dubious, and that's with your parents. They say, are your parents citizens of the United States? Always answer these things truthfully. Do not lie to these people. They take passport fraud very seriously. 
Okay. So you want to check yes if they were, no if they weren't. But you see, that again is setting up the presumption because we know it's the feudal system and we know it's a silent contract. And if your parents were citizens of the United States and didn't know this and opt out, then you automatically are born into the same condition under the same presumption. That's why they have you sign this thing in front of an administrating official. Okay. So it's starting to make a little sense. Yeah. And there, and I noticed on here, uh, when I was looking at the, at the site, it talks about, um, let's see. Oh, that's the wrong one. It when you go over here to apply, it'll have you apply in person. So you can't do this really online, can you? You no, can track no, it online, no. but you you yeah. got to apply Not in a, person. You you can with an eighty two and a renewal because they've already put you through this, and chances are you ain't gonna. But you, if you'll notice, the warning box label is in both the DS eleven and in the DS eighty two. Why do they put it in the DS eighty two? Because they've got to, because it's the feudal system, and you can volunteer out at any time. Aha. So let, let me make sure I've got this. I've got this up on the screen. It, the, the section you're talking about, is that that little blue box that's there? I, I, I can't see anything. You okay. Tell me. All right. I, I, it, you said it was, though, in the first section, right? Well, they've changed it. They moved the warning box. They move it around. It's... I think now, if you go to the online version, it's at the top of page two. It used to be at the top of page one. They're hiding it. Okay. They're on to me, man. They've changed the oath in the passport application since I started teaching this stuff because I caught them slaving. Okay, so this is this is at the bottom of page one. There, it's like four pages online here. It says, blue section application page one, identifying documents and signature blocks. Skip this section and complete application page two. Do not sign this form until you're requested to do so by the authorized agent who will administer the oath to you. That's what you're talking about, right? Right, right, right. Okay, so let's go to the oath. This is where the meat is. Okay. This is why I went through this preparatory stuff. I'm trying to find where that is. They're asking uh, for all kinds of things. It's on the last page at the bottom. Last page at the bottom. Okay. Well, okay, okay. there's another signing there, thing. There's wherever another. they're asking you all the info questions, it's at the bottom of that. Okay, I'm not seeing where there's an oath Okay, well, I can quote Okay, it it's here. I declare under penalty of perjury all the following. I'm a citizen or non-citizen national of the United States and have not performed any of the acts listed under acts or conditions on page four of the instructions of this application unless explanatory statement is attached. The statement, number two, the statements made on the application are true and correct. Number three, I have not knowingly and willfully made false statements or included false documents in support of this application. Number four, the photograph attached to this application is a genuine current photograph of me. And five, I have read and understood the warning on page four of the instructions to the application form. Ding, 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 ding. You just hit it right there. Okay. That's what they changed. They never used to have those boxes in there. They put it in to cover their asses because they got caught. Slamming. Gotcha. Okay. I got it. Okay. That came directly from me teaching this information on the radio. They got caught. Okay. Now let's go back and analyze that oath. Remember how we covered non-citizen nationals? Yes, sir. That's why I did this. Okay. For this. I swear under penalty of perjury, I'm a citizen of the United States. It used to be parentheses. Parentheses are non-citizen national. And have not since acquiring United States citizenship, parentheses or U.S. nationality, violated any of the acts and conditions listed on page so-and-so, parentheses and less explanatory statements attached that's still in there 
Okay. So let me ask you this, Tim. Twice above that, they've got these two critical elements of political status. Do they tell you to attach an explanatory statement there? No, not that I saw. Where do they tell you? On the other side of the instructions on the front page. Yeah. And then they tell you in very descript, cryptic language. Okay. So violating the acts and conditions, if you've been, I don't know, caught smuggling drugs or been over in Bangkok playing with little underage boys or girls or stuff like that. Okay. But here above that twice with this very critical political status differential and dialectic, they don't tell you to do nothing. But now they've changed it where you go, oh, yes, I've read and understand the warning mm. box that I've got to get out of jail free card. Yeah, they're real explicit about putting that in front of us. Aren't you slavers? Okay, here's where your affidavit comes in. Okay. One sentence doesn't have to be 31 pages like some of these other guys where they mention you're a sovereign citizen in there, by the way. One page, tell them what you are. Get it at, at, at preferentially it's notarized because that puts it in a little bit different legal category and uh, send it in with your 30 bucks. Now, what we've been doing lately, Tim, <coughs> excuse me, what we've been doing lately is I suggest people send in their affidavit cold first, naked, I call it. And that's just a simple affidavit with a cover letter to the secretary of state. And, and there's instructions on my website. There's a there's a piece there called how to file a national affidavit with or without a passport app. The state department's main address is in there and stuff. And you want to put administrative records department down on the left attention because you want this to be headed for your administrative file. Okay. And once it's in that file, you're home free because anything in the possession of the secretary should you ever get brought into a court of law because it's in his possession, that's admissible in any court of law and it bypasses the laws of evidence. That's why they'll never take you to court because they don't want this document and this information inside their courtrooms. Make sense? Yes, sir. I was showing the, the audience, the, um, the instructions here, the three pages you got for the, uh, the passport issue. And there's also some links there. I'll go back here. These are the links that are a little bit further down the page. Uh, that people will be looking at that that uh, Roger just made mention of. There's also a sample affidavit in there that's a little like we did last time with little, there's a little seasoning on top of it, you know. Uh, it's just a little bit more effective. And also in that sample affidavit, there's a paragraph for IRS, which most people are chomping at the bit to get away from those thieves. And uh, that's what you want to notice the IRS on. So okay. let's, go th let's go through the procedure. Here. Sure. The first thing I advise people to do is send this in naked to the secretary of state because they can't say, no, this is your decision, not theirs. If it's their decision, they're open tyrants. So that's why they'll never do that until they get Bolshevik control. Okay. So then you wait, I don't know, 21 days or something, then go apply for the passport with the passport cards, a minimum that you need. That's all you need. Okay. Unless you're traveling internationally, if you got an active passport, just use that. Don't pay the extra money yet. When you apply for the new passport book, it's in the affidavit in and you'll have, you know, all of it, but, uh, it's not critical to travel internationally, but it is critical to have that card because now you've got the highest form of government recognized ID that now is attached to your declaration of status that went in with the passport application. 
Okay. Now, the reason I've altered that relatively recently, I'll give you the, I told you, you just can't talk about this stuff in a couple hours, man. It's there's just too many nuances sure, too much sure. in depth. Okay. You're learning. All right. So I had a kid from California who was a Brit naturalized in 2000 and he gives, sends me an email said, Roger, they, they not only rejected my passport application, they revoked my current passport. And so I went, what? I've never had that happen before. And so I said, well, send me what they sent you. And so he sent me a lead, the letter, and they quote two sections in there of the uh, code, uh, code of federal regulations title, uh, interestingly enough, ATF title 27. And what had happened was this kid out in San Jose County, California, he gets pulled over for drunk driving. He wouldn't get out of the car. The sheriff ended up breaking the windows, hauling his butt out, taking him to jail. Somehow he got out of jail and he thought because he got out of jail that it took care of the charges, but the charges still stood. And when they went and ran his passport application two felony charges pop up, that's why you rejected his passport and revoked his other one and kept his fees. Okay. And so if you'd had, he would have had this naked passport in uh, affidavit in first, he would technically have been a national then, wouldn't he? Yes. And then the code of federal regulations doesn't apply to you anymore. Do they? Mm. Okay. So they may have gone ahead and done it anyway. You know, they're pretty ballsy up there. But at least you'd have had some real solid grounds for an administrative appeal. So that's why I suggest people do it cold or just with a short cover letter. Here's here's all you say. Okay. Please find the enclosed citizenship evidence. I would would suggest strongly you use that term because that's how the State Department identifies your affidavit internally. Citizenship evidence. You think the attorneys up there know what the word evidence means, Tim? I would think they do. Okay, please find the enclosed citizenship evidence. Please place this firmly and permanently in my administrative file. Hope to never have any contact with you again, Tim. Okay, pretty simple. That's all you got to do. Yeah, pretty simple. Now, okay, now, the important part here is also relatively new. I keep telling people this is a process, not an event. And the process is we're all continually learning, including me. Okay. So the second thing you want to do to get yourself covered with your new status is you want to weaponize your position. You want to be like a porcupine if possible. Okay. So the way you do that is because now you're under common law. Now you go back and use one of the tenets of all bodies of law called due process. Due process is notice and the right to be heard. Okay. So you've already changed your status. Now you're going to start putting people on notice that your status has been changed. You can do this with any of the federal agencies, and I would almost implore you to do it with your state. Okay. So the one agency that most people want to get away from is IRS. And so you take a copy of your affidavit and you send it to the IRS and your language is please find the enclosed citizenship evidence now on file with the secretary of state of the United States of America, please place this permanently and permanently in my administrative file, please adjust your actions, your records and your agents actions accordingly. Okay. Bye. So hope to never see you again. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and it probably wouldn't be bad to put in the, the terminology I'm as true as truthfully as I can express it. No, no kind of malice, any kind of thing like that. That I'm, I'm issuing this. One of no, the things no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that in there. Send it to them. They know what it is. Okay. One of the th- one of the things I want to ask here is because we're talking about okay, now you come back under common law, all these little intricacies they're putting you through at the federal level are gone. Does by passing this over to um, people at like your your secretary of state in your in your particular state or no, somebody you in your, use him? Yeah, you don't use him. You use the attorney general. Attorney Go general. Ahead. Okay. Okay. So you're going to send it to him. Uh, are you sending it to anybody locally? Yep. That's what I'm going to tell you. Okay. Okay. So. What you're doing now, as I said, you're weaponizing your position. You could do this with a bunch of federal, any federal agency you want. But if you're doing, let's say you got your, you own your land, you want to build a pond out behind your house, and the EPA comes says you can't do that. You're violating the Water Whatever Act. Okay. So what you do is you'd send this notice to the head of EPA in Washington. You'd copy the regional director. You'd copy the district director. And if you got dealing with a particular agent, you copy him. And now you've fulfilled that. You don't have this authority to tell me that. Go pound sand. Got it. Okay. Now, let's get to the important part, although that's important, obviously. Let's get to the local part of your state. What you're really as a state citizen now, you're falling under the common law of your state. The only way they can come after you is if there's an injured party. All property law is state law with the exception of this federal 14th amendment which makes you property within the state sure okay so you're going back and putting the state people on notice who's the head legal guy in the state the attorney general yep secretary of state now incorporates businesses and takes tax fees and all that stuff so he's out of the picture his boss in dc though is the one we took care of okay so now we're going to do and we're going to write the notice to the attorney general of your state and you're going to find out in your county who the key people are and the key people are the sheriff, the chief of police, the district attorney. And I've added another one lately, your public health official, because that's who they're going to weaponize when they go try and do mandatory jabs. They let a cat out of the bag in Washington state and some proposed legislation. Yep. Okay. And so you want to write the attorney general of the state, dear attorney general, please find the enclosed citizenship evidence now on file with the secretary of state of the United States of America. Please adjust your records and your actions accordingly. But at the top, I I neglected to mention this. At the top of your cover letter to IRS, you're going to want to put these statements. Lawful legal notice, capital letters. Lawful legal notice. Underneath that, not to be considered or construed as a filing. Not to be construed as a filing. And the reason is the only defense the IRS has got now is to come back at you with a $5,000 frivolous filing penalty, which they did on the first guy that ever sent this in. And so you want to tell them at the top, this isn't a filing. This isn't a 1040 form. This is legal lawful notice. So you take that defense right out from under them. You know, they're thugs. Okay. That's the only thing they got left. Yeah, it's, it's organized crime. Up. That's Look, exactly what it I, is. Yeah, when you were explaining that before and you said, you know, I'm giving you my allegiance for, for your protection, That's exa- that sounds like what you see uh, in a film where they have the mob guys and they've got all the businesses down the street and they come in and they're like, you got to pay up for that protection we're giving you or we're just going to destroy your place. It's, it's, that, kind mm-hmm. of, it's that kind of criminal it's, mindset, isn't it? 
Yeah, exactly what it is. And they blame the Italians for the mafia. Hell, it's the Jews that run the mafia. Come on. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, back to these notices. On your state one, you're going to want to put legal lawful notice at the top. And then this phrase, notice to the principal is notice to the agent. Notice to the agent is notice to the principal. Because all these guys operate under a set of laws called the laws of agency. Real estate agents, insurance agents, they all comply with that. Okay. So you're telling them that I'm locking you all together here, kids. And you're going to take what you send to the attorney general and you put CC at the bottom with those key officials and you send them a copy of that too. Now, if you're in your county and you get pulled over and ticketed, Tim, if the DA dockets that ticket, since he's been put on legal lawful notice, He's now operating outside of his delegated responsibilities. He loses his cloak of immunity and he becomes personally liable. Yeah. Now with that, there was a question I was going to ask because that was what I was doing. I was saying, okay, in the federal level, all this little stuff that they're adding extra constitutional, as you said, which in my mind becomes unconstitutional in my thinking, but I appreciate you putting it on there, how, how it's put in the state at the state level, all their little trinkets that they've thrown out there that isn't part of the constitution all of a sudden you're not obligated to those things either well you're only the state law that that's common law none of their man if it's written for residents it doesn't apply for you anymore. okay so so when you said somebody gets a ticket let's say we're doing 10 miles over the speed limit <laughs> with somebody else and the guy wants to come ticket you and you say wait a minute dude i'm an i'm an i'm an national here you show him your credentials or whatever and he wants to keep going on and write you a ticket and okay. stuff now first of all look you don't argue these points it's okay. complex sure with, uh, somebody with a gun on their hip <laughs> with lower than 100 IQ I get it. on the side of the road yep that's why you put the da on notice any ticket that you're uh that you're awarded with eventually goes up to him because he's the guy that dockets it in the traffic court got it if you put him on notice and he does that he's now acting outside of his delegated responsibilities because you told him you weren't a resident and those laws don't apply to you anymore okay so what you're going to do is basically sit there and take the ticket and then you're going to immediately put that guy on notice yeah. Okay. No, you already got him on notice. Okay, but that's why you do this as quick as you can, or at the same I got time you. of filing it with the Secretary of State of the U.S. I got that. But now, let's but see. I had a situation with one of my okay. students. This just happened to him. <laughs> there were three people on our board that morning that this happened to. They filed it with the Secretary of State. They didn't file their local state notices, hmm. and they got in some kind of trouble. And now, because they haven't put them on proper notice, they're playing catch up. Yeah. I get no, I get okay. that. What I was going to do was I was going to bring in something else because obviously people travel. So you're notifying the Secretary of State at the federal level. You're notifying the Attorney General. You're notifying all these other people around in your local area. What happens if I'm going to you know my my in laws in Florida and I'm going through Georgia and I'm going through Alabama and Mississippi? Am I going through Mississippi? Don't, no, I'm not going through don't. Mississippi, uh, Alabama, and then down through there. And okay. I get into a state like Alabama, and that happens. Do I take the ticket and then I'm going to immediately write something there to whoever the district attorney is in that particular county? Well, I'm, it may work, it may not work. Okay. Okay. And, and I don't know. I, these are some of the questions. I just don't have an answer. Okay. For, All right. No, know? that's fair. I, 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 I can see I somebody having that, that question, though. So I say don't speed. 
you're you're now sure. a personally responsible person. You make this change. Start adhering to things and don't be stupid. Yeah. Unless you're just a warrior, you want to press the envelope and get in a fight with somebody. If you want to do that, go do it. Well, I'm not, but here here's the question that well, I have. Some people are. Because, some people are. Yeah, but but here's where I go to with that. And I, I challenge people to think about that because you think okay. about a speeding ticket. If there's no accident that's happened, nobody's been injured, no property's been right. damaged, no crime has right. been committed. And right. so I'm fine if somebody wants to say, hey, you were negligent and you ran off and you tore this man's fence up or you hit this car and you killed this person or maimed them. I'm fine because I think the Bible upholds that. That's a, oh, that's a common you're, law you're, issue. You're, you're supposed to make. You're supposed that's to right. Make, make restitution home. for that. Or if you've, well, and you're supposed to make restitution in those instances where you haven't done it on purpose. Right. So, so you get those kinds of things. This is why when, if somebody tickets you, they're trying to make a little dial or how fast you're moving a crime. And to me, that doesn't seem like that's part of common law unless something's been damaged or somebody's been harmed. It's not. There's two okay. types of crime, sure. malaprohibita and malinse. Malaprohibita are man-made laws. Malinse are crimes within themselves where there's a damaged party. And all this stuff falls under malaprohibita. Okay. Now, let me give you a, let me, let's approach this from another way. This is without a doubt the single issue that's got all these different options of stuff involved with it okay but i got at least three guys two of them in alabama by the way one in north carolina just north of you that do nothing but drive on their passport cards the only id they carry they got custom tags on their car oh, it's two of them do okay of the three and so all three of them have been stopped the one in north carolina is a black guy up there fine guy named james who's a retired truck driver and he went through copper moonshine stills process originally another bunch that does this, something like this I, they don't do it accurately in my opinion but regardless he went through he's got a nice five series bmw with a big custom tag on the back and he's been stopped in both virginia and north carolina and all instances where every one of these guys get stopped they hand them the passport card the cop goes back and runs the card they come back and forth say all right well you're free to go have a nice day you ought to get some insurance on that thing <laughs> nice okay so i can give you that and i can give you the other horror story here from georgia here that came up in the last couple of weeks with one of my female students she's in her 50s they've just relocated to georgia a few years ago they're down mid georgia right in boss hog territory right and so long story i won't give the background anyway she's in an adjacent county she's tremendously emotionally upset because of a family situation and a baby that got into mama's methamphetamine stash and she's driving back to the county she's in and she gets a ticket okay and she's not put any of the state officials in georgia on notice much less an adjacent county and so she sends them notice. They still dock at the case and she shows up for court last week. And it was an unbelievable story is like judge Roy Bean, the hanging judge, you know? Oh, I know a friend who spent three years in jail. Well, here, here's the Supreme court case. I don't want to read that. And so he moves the case to superior court. She walks out and then she thinks on, on the parking lot. Well, I don't have anything to prove I was there. She shows back into the court. And there's three people that were in court with her that are in the lobby. And they're telling her, you wouldn't have believed what the judge and this bailiff were talking about you after you left. They were getting ready to handcuff you and throw you in jail. You're one of those sovereign citizens. Purge that from your lexicon. Right. Okay. 
So we don't know. Here's a, she never even been in traffic court before in her mid fifties, Tim. Can you imagine that poor woman in that scenario? And she did real well. Okay. But we talked to my attorney friend, Brent Winters. We talked about it last Friday on the show. And so here's her situation. She can either pay the ticket. She can go on and appeal it and go to superior court and be willing to take that all the way up in the appellate system when they don't have the budget to do it. And, or, and this is what my attorney friend suggested, pay the ticket and then go to the Georgia judicial board and report the judge and lay out the facts to the Georgia judicial board. And their way we're even educating some other judges. See, this is, we got to re-educate the law. Yeah, Absolutely. People. Okay. Yeah, Roger. Look, we've got we've got a, a couple that I know of in the chat, and they'll be glad to hear this. But <clears throat> that's what they were doing locally. Uh, the husband he had sent me videos where they stopped him because they put a Gadsden flag as his tag. Uh, he when he was pulled over, uh, the he told the cop, "I'm traveling." Uh, the guy kept saying, "You're driving." He says, "No, I'm traveling." And they kept trying to do that. I think they did that twice. They were a little rough with him uh, and things. And then finally, he got to the point where. I think it was the sheriff there. They were going to try to bring some of the cops in at their breakfast where they talk about these kinds of things and where they show them the law. Look, you right. guys are, are not obeying the You're supposed to uphold the law, but you're not doing it, which is, right. for me, part of the problem is we've usurped our, our, our responsibility as the people. Uh, you know, as the Constitution says, the militia. Uh, are supposed to be the law enforcers. And we've yeah. we, we've lost yeah. that. We want to pay we, somebody else to we, do it, but we then... Ab abrogated ab yep. that. Right. Yeah, and, and that's something that we're trying to do, again, in teaching. Okay. Um, and yeah. I point people to tactical yeah. civics. Learn your civic duty. Do it locally, your grand jury and your militia, and, and be very open about it as far as what you're doing. You're not trying to hide anything. Jesus did everything in the light of day. I was in the temple with you. You saw me. Now you're coming out at night with sticks and clubs, right? Uh, yeah. So we, we don't, we're not looking to hide things. At the same time, uh, we're wanting to do our civic duty because we see those that we've you know, given that up to not doing what we thought they were supposed to be doing. Instead, well, they're lording it over us. Well, they don't know that. Sure. Is, I, I mean, well, some of them don't. knows that's the way this happens, right? Yeah, some everybody of them don't. knows. Well, th there's another way to approach this is the driving traveling issue, and there's copious amounts of court cases on that. So that's another way to attack this driving thing. It, without a doubt, is the most complicated issue that anybody's got to deal with, think through, and prepare for. Okay? Yep. And I don't know that there's one clear-cut answer. File the affidavit. Here's the answer. Learn the information. Yep. Get confidence in your position and be at a point where you can be a belligerent claimant. That's the answer. Yeah. And one of the things that I've, I've tied this to, and this is why when we did the show the other day, I said, now, all of you listening, be careful. Don't get gung-ho about it. Take your time about things. Make sure you understand it because you're going to have to stand on it. It's not just, I filled out this paper and I sent it in. It, you've got to be able to explain why you did what you did because they're going to come ask you. And if you say, well, I, I know what I'm talking about, I'm familiar with this, especially if they pull you up in a court and then you can't do that, they can they can literally get you for perjury. So people want to be very, very careful that they understand what they're getting themselves into. Well, see, there's so much pressure on so many people and this comes across their path and all they want to do is get that paper yep, in yep. possession of the secretary. And that you can do that if you make the commitment to study and learn the information afterwards and not get distracted. 
Otherwise, you get your arms around. Now, listen, folks, it's real simple now. 20 years ago, when I was trying to figure this out, it wasn't simple. Okay. I've been able to simplify it and tell you, well, you got Jim Crow. They made us all Jim Crow and they tricked you into agreeing with it. That's how complicated it is. Now, how they did that is a whole horse of a, a herd of horses and a bunch of different colors. Okay. It's complex. It's complex in how they did it. And it's complex in how they programmed your mind to agree with what they did, not knowing what they're asking you. And this false reality that they presented, I can't impress upon you guys. And I've been immersed in this for 30 years. I understand it perfectly. I cannot impress upon you how important this is. This is the base of their whole game. You know, there's a great old quote from one of the founding fathers, Tim says for every 20 Patriots hacking at the tree of tyranny. There's one that's hacking at the root. Yep. Well, we're hacking at the root here. That's this that's what I've said. Of their power. Yeah. Everything they do comes from this. It allows them to make man-made laws against you with regulatory administrative state, and they collateralize your future labor, and that's the basis of the monetary system. Everything they do is based on this. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is something that I brought up before, uh, you know, with every little thing attacking, you know, all these little branches and they're just wearing us down because what happens when you go and prune or you cut off a branch? Well, something else grows out somewhere else, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So if you get the root, if you get the root down to the root and you rip up the roots, ain't no tree coming back. Ain't no branches yeah. coming back. It's dead. See, it's gone. That's why they stand mute to this is because it totally exposes every level of their fraud. It allows us to now band together and start doing co things like common law grand juries and stuff, and now coming back and grabbing their sorry asses and hanging them. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, but we got to get enough people right. to do that. Yeah. Well, and that's why we want to educate people. And, you know, I, I do shows, yeah, we have to talk about certain things that go on. I get it. Uh, but at the same time, I'd much rather look at a show, uh, have a show like this to go back to where the documents are there. You're appealing to what the law is, what the things are that are in place, and then giving people a path to follow so that they can find their real liberty out from under all the, I don't know, all the buku pretended legislation. That's the words our father, our foreign founding fathers used over them that they have been deceived by they're they're just deceived they don't know i mean it's like um i forget who it was we oh david knight when we talk uh, david pruitt he says you don't know what you don't know and you can only act on what you do know and if you don't if you're knowing if you think you know the right thing and it's really the wrong thing you're going to be in trouble with that so the thing is to educate the people get them thinking and then get them looking at the documents understanding listening from those who've already done it and then taking their own path. They've, they've got to step out and not be cowards about it, but you yeah. don't want to be frivolous like what you said a, well, a minute ago. The, the, the biggest lesson I could get across to you, the most basic, is this is your choice, not theirs. You know, if you wanted to go like me and live in a foreign country, could they say, Roger, you can't go move to Argentina. I can't. They can't stop me because that's my decision. I chose to go live under Argentina's laws. Then now I chose to live under the laws of Ecuador. Well, I don't because I'm not a I'm not a resident here, but I live here. Okay. Tell me how and that. So, can I ask you something as you're bringing that up? 
Yeah. If you go to Ecuador, is there something, I would assume many of these countries are doing something similar. Is there something similar where they're put a feudal system in as well, and you're having to deal with that in Ecuador? Boy, boy, are you going to like this, Tim. (laughs) This is the the B system of revelation, assigning a political status at birth determined on where you're born. They've instituted that in every country of the world virtually. This is the B system revelation. We we haven't covered this. Let's go over this. You're going to like this, Tim. Audience. Revelation 18. You're familiar with it. We mentioned it the other day. We only talked about part of it. Babylon, oh, Babylon the Great has fallen in an hour, and the merchants of the earth wail because they can no longer sell their merchandise. Underneath that, it says, come out of her, my people, come out of her. That's what we're doing here. Okay? And so underneath that... We have a couple of verses that I call the remedy verses. Fill her cup double with what she's filled yours. Serve her double what she's served you. Those are remedies. You're supposed to do something to them. But who's supposed to do it? Well, isn't that the remnant? Yeah, I mean, I know there's there's several. Okay, well, hold on. I'm not finished. Yeah, don't get, don't sidetrack me. I'm asking you, is doesn't there have to be a remnant if they're going to execute? And there's, a, there's a nice legal phrase there, too. If they execute a remedy, well, well there's got to be somebody to do it. Yeah, the, well, the thing I'd like to do is I'd like to go to the context for I answer a question okay, well, like that. Well, hold on. Let me, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me finish it. Sure. I think you'll have a better context, sure. okay? And if you go on down further in that verse, there's a list of 21 items that the merchants of the earth can no longer sell. And they're wailing about your gold, your silver, your frankincense, your myrrh, your ivory, your this, your that, your the other, and bodies and souls of men. Men, yep. They can't buy and sell you unless they own you. Hmm. And John on Patmos knew 2,000 years ago that the world was going to be enslaved. And it didn't say unless you were in the United States of America in the first 90 years. Hmm. Okay. So it's right there. All right. Now, further on in that verse, it says you have fornicated with the nations and enslaved them with your sorcery. Yep. Now, John, my teacher, went to the dictionary and looked sorcery up. Yep, and of course, there's several, there's several different ver- uh, definitions there. Okay. And he said, could it be that their sorcery is UCC? U-C-C, U-C-C, because it's the merchant law that they've enslaved us with. Well, I know the, <clears throat> I know the term that's used there is the one where we get our word pharmacy. Um, right. Pharmacia is in there, too. Sure. Correct. Well, that is, that's what sorceries are, but I see what you're saying here about but the But they merchant. hadn't enslaved you with your pharmacies. They've enslaved you with the merchant law. Well, some people would say that that is their 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 issue to do that and to tie it all together. Uh, if you've seen some of the reports that we've had, uh, the use of graphene, the rollout yep. of the five G, yep. yep, the being yep. able to use those things all together. So I can see yep. how the pharmacia would fit right in with the merchandising too. Okay. okay. Well, I'm just giving you our point of view on this. Sure. You know, that was long. Well, this came about long before all this all this stuff came up. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so anyway, that's the importance of what we're doing. It's very biblical. Uh, what they've done is very biblical. It's they're doing what they're supposed to do on who they are. Okay. And we've been enslaved in it, but now we've found an answer. And if I'm not telling you to do it, I've never told anybody to do this. Never. Okay. Cause it's your decision. It's got to be voluntary. And I understand that very well. Okay. But, um, 
this is what I want to impress on your audience. I've been helping people do this and teaching people. I've been learning along the way. The way I've learned, the reason I've learned so much is because I've been teaching it. If you want to learn this information, start teaching it to people. It's anything like out that. Very quickly where you're deficient, go back and shore up on that. If you do want to start teaching it to your friends, this is what some of our other folks are doing. They take those two documents on that website called How To, How to Escape the Matrix, How to File a National Affidavit. They go make copies. They take one of those interviews, Deanna Spingola, Tom D. They put it on their cell phone. They get them in a room and they let me present the information. They hand them the papers. They answer the questions they can. And if they can't answer them, they steer them towards me. And it works like a snap. You don't have to know anything. You don't have to have a command of it. All you got to do is know how to put the play button on, on your computer or your cell phone. Okay. All right. Okay. But, but if you want safety, we got to get safety in numbers here. It's fine that you're individually free and all that. But if we're going to have an effect and effect change, we got to have numbers. Yep. Okay. Because that's what they're scared to death of is numbers. That's why they're trying to kill so many of us. Okay. And when you get numbers of people that understand this information and to file that paperwork, these people have got real big problems. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 get, I get that part. And that's something that we talked about when we when I talk about tactical civics is doing it locally. This is not a, you know, run to Washington or your state house, you know, and have a rah-rah rally stuff. This is the nitty-gritty, this is the minutia, if you will, about the things. It's about people learning what they're supposed to do and then start to implement that locally. Because you know, you've, you've got no, to... There's no saying, Tim, all politics is local. It's local, yep. Okay. So that's the, you know, that's the basis of it. I'm sorry we had to split it up into two programs, but this is a very difficult subject to present. Okay. For a number of different reasons. And it's difficult to do in, in a short period of time. That's why that Tom D interview particularly is good because Tom running RBN now took out all the spots and gave us two raw hours. Tom had been studying this stuff 10 years longer than me. And you'll hear him say on that program, this is the answer I've been looking for for 40 years, and it is. And the other point I want to make is I've been helping people do this for 11 and a half years in one way, shape, form, or another. Never has anyone gotten back to me that had any problem in any area of their lives that was caused by filing this affidavit in 11 and a half years. That's a pretty darn good long-term unblemished record. I'd say so. I'd say so. <laughs> All right, Roger. Well, let's wrap up this show here, and I'm going to turn it over to you for a final word, and then we'll close it out. If you'll tell people where they can find out those interviews and things, that'd be great. All right. Well, we've got two websites. We had not mentioned the other one much and probably should tell you about it. SovereignTOSurf.com, all spelled out, SovereignTOSurf.com. It hadn't been updated in a while, Tim, but it's got some fantastic reference materials over on the top of the right there opposite my picture. Uh, one of them is a book called Historical Jurisprudence. I'm giving you an example here that was written and published by John Hopkins back in the 30s on the history of jurisprudence. The first 90 pages of that book deal with the Babylonian Merchant Code. If you really want to get a firm legal background on the UCC and all that stuff, go read that 90 pages. It's a very easy reading, but boy, you'll get a lot out of it. You'll have a wonderful foundation, okay? The other website that Tim's been showing is where all the information is, current stuff, and it's the matrix the thematrixdocs.com. Oh, six, seven interviews on there, sample, paperwork, uh, 
some exhibits with different information in there. And um, that's where you want to go and listen to these interviews and look at some of that stuff. I'm on now six days a week on Eurofolk Radio, uh, E-U-R-O-F-O-L-K, Eurofolkradio.com. We're on from 11 to 1 Eastern Time. We have a little bit different format uh, in that we use a, a software called Jitsi, and we can have up to 100 people on the board at the same time, and you can all ask questions. And so that is designed for group conversations and for new people asking questions, all right? Particularly, that's for you, all right? I'm also on two shows on Sunday, one from 11 to 1 now on the 12 to 1, 12 to 2, but 11 to 1 Central on Patriot Soapbox Network. And there's video on that. We do video. And then that evening from 5 to 7 Central, I'm over and I took Ralph Winter out, the late Ralph Winter out spot uh, at RBN on Sunday evenings for two hours. And I generally take calls. I like to use that platform to take calls. Uh, that's an audience Ralph Winter out built up over 25 years or more. Okay. So it's a really fine audience. I'm real pleased and honored to be over there. That's how you can find me. Okay. All right. Well, Roger, we appreciate you again, spending time with us, going, giving us more time than we a lot uh, normally and all, but I, this is important stuff, I think. And I think it is a helpful thing to people to get them out from under the thumb of government. And I know everybody that listens to this show wants that, but the question is how many people are willing to do the, the prerequisite work of learning the stuff and then going and doing it and then continuing to educate themselves on these things. That's really where the issue comes. So I, I strongly urge people that this may be new to you. It may be somewhat exciting to hear and everything. Just take your time. Don't get ahead of yourself because if you screw something up, you can end up screwing things up really bad if you're not careful and know what you're doing. It's, it's hard to screw <laughs> this up because you're telling them what you are. Yep. Okay? And, they can, and they can't deny it. So it's hard to screw it up from that standpoint. And because you're a layman, it's not going to be, oh, you didn't have this legal phrase in there. It doesn't apply. Well, that's not going to work, okay? Because you're telling them what you are and you're doing it in the right manner. Where the education comes in is in building your knowledge, giving you eventual understanding and confidence so that you not only know what you are and you can defend your position with a belligerent attitude. That doesn't mean a baseball bat. That just means standing up to somebody's face. Okay. And more importantly, you can start educating others. Now I'm going to tell you, Tim, maybe we'll close on this. Okay. I'm going to tell you what my teacher, John W. Benson used to say from that stage in those seminars we taught, he taught, and he said, the only way I can protect my Liberty is to help you That's right. protect yours. Yep. Okay. And so should you choose to go through this and follow through now that burdens on your shoulder, you got to go help other find other people to help protect your liberty by helping them protect theirs. Well, and that goes right back to a biblical thing that we have is that we're to disciple the nations, we're to be teachers of those and big part of our love is that we'll help some other somebody else come to the same conclusions we've had and yeah. ensure their liberty just like you said and then instead of just me out here with my bunt, with my brood uh, we've got several people around us that are just like that, and I think that's a, that's a great thing. It's numbers scare the 
Yeah, it scares it out of them. <laughs> Fecal matter out yes. of these people. It really does. It really does. Roger, hang on, and I'll say goodbye to you off air. Guys, be sure to catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And Lord willing, we'll be back with you in the morning, 6 a.m., bright and early. See ya.